Hello, and welcome to Building High Performance Cultures, a weekly series where we talk with leading executives from top organizations about how they built high performance cultures and how they're leveraging their culture as competitive advantage. I'm Marty Parker. I'm the President and Chief Executive Officer of Waterstone Human Capital. And of course, more and more, we're hearing about purpose and how people are looking to work for and with companies that are purpose-driven and that have strong and meaningful corporate cultures and, and corporate social responsibility programs that are at the, the center of what they do. And a lot of these companies are doing purpose very well, but perhaps not as many are drawing the connection between purpose and culture, or really have purpose at the center of their business model. But that's not the, the case with the person we're speaking with today. And joining me is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Paramount Fine Foods and the 2019 Most Admired CEO of the Year, Mohamed Fakhi. Thank you very Mohammed. much. No, thank you very much for having me. And thank you uh, to fit in this whole thing within these times that we're going through. I think the story of Paramount Fine Foods is reasonably well known. But for those who don't know it, in 2006, Mohammed purchased a nearly bankrupt restaurant and transformed it into what is now the fastest growing Middle Eastern halal restaurant chain in North America. And right from the start, um, uh, Mohammed and his colleagues have given back to the community as part of the DNA of Paramount Fine Foods. Mohammed regularly participates in fundraisers, community events, causes like that he supports like the Cancer Society, Islamic Relief Worldwide, Sick Kids, Make-A-Wish Foundation, UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency in Canada. We could spend the 30 minutes just talking about what Mohammed has done and what Paramount's done. But more importantly, and at least from our perspective, his determination to uphold values that give to communities and people uh, where Paramount restaurants is, are located and where they're not, quite frankly, has resulted in workplace culture that is second to none and one of giving to others and supporting uh, one another. He's made philanthropy a key part of giving back uh, at Paramount Culture and setting it apart from other restaurants and businesses globally. So with that, tell us, Mohammed, about the culture of Paramount Fine Foods. And did, did you build this deliberately or did it evolve organically as the company evolved? Well, I think uh, a lot of people and we will see that uh, the next uh, 10 years. We, I think we have evolved as, by definition, CEOs and organization. The whole story of culture has evolved. So 10 years ago, when I used to tell my franchisee, uh, let's donate, they used to say, no, let's put an ad on a bus. And I still used to push them to donate. And... I thought this is the better way to actually have that loyalty to the, with the customer. And I thought that was a better way to actually get talents to come in and to be part of this beautiful movement, which is that's what I call Paramount. When I welcome any of the leaders or executives, I call it welcome to the Paramount movement, not company, not a job. <clears throat> so I think we will be evolving one more time where this is, will come organically to CEOs. It should become like now we're between lip service or emulating others with halfway convinced and some group are convinced and they live it. So we're going to, I think we will <laughs> evolve a little bit more to become organically that way that I think to do. 
And that's the, my story. I lived and I was brought up in a house where we have a small box, shoe box, at the, ha- at the door of the house. And my mom used to give us $5 for us to spend on a sandwich and a pop or something at school. And she used to make sure to give us a change. And on the way out of the house, she used to ask me to put a 25 cent in that box called Sadaka, which is voluntarily giving. <clears throat> so because she always believed that we will be protected and we will be given more if we give more. And we, I grew up in the mentality of there is no business worth doing. There is nothing worth doing unless you benefit others. So growing up within that mentality, and I know it's a bit, I wouldn't want to call it weird, but it is within the world of CEOs and numbers matter and the profit is the most important and the bottom line is money. Uh, I want to do a business that only gives me profit because a, a business that gives you profit gives you that empty feeling that you need to do more and then you travel to do something more outside of your job when you actually can do it parallel you could actually do pick a job or or direct a culture within the same job that you're doing that will satisfy you in both ways will satisfy you as a human will satisfy you wanting to teach you wanting to pass on the information that you learn and you wanting to pass on the blessing that you receive by working hard and by helping others. And that's the culture, the way it came. I mean, you, you gave some key insight into you in terms of your upbringing right there. Uh, and that 25 cents or whatever that change that was left from your, from, from, your, from your meal. In other words, coming from your family, your mother in that case. But in terms of your leadership style uh, today and how it's evolved, how, do you, how has that evolved and how do you believe that that Philosophy and then how you act, your style has impacted Paramount. Well, I think it's all about your leadership style. Because you could tell people whatever you want. You could be the best writer and the best speech teller. But unless people, they see you doing it and leading per example, they will not actually buy into it. And basically doing nothing should be doing nothing because you should be only doing as much as everyone else on your team doing. Like the leadership style of I'm the CEO, I create the strategy and I will make them buy into it. It's still wrong. (laughs) I think you're the CEO. You should not be creating your strategy. You should let your team start the strategy. You come in and let them defend it. So I'll tell you Paramount strategy, how it's built. I'll tell you how we do our strategy sessions. I'll tell you how we built a year-to-year strategy and what's our plan for every year. So we rent a house in Blue Mountain, different places. Um, We call it the castle. The team will go ahead before me. We make sure we have some of the team member, what we call frontline heroes, which is the store managers and assistant managers and the line cook management, uh, the kitchen manager. And we, they go there and they spend two nights. And part of their program and their time is doing a brainstorming, putting papers, big sheets of paper on the walls, create a parking lot where everyone has a great idea. They'll park it there for a bit until they finish that. 
I will not go there in the first two days. I'll go the third day. Because if I show up the first day, they might all of them agree with me and then my idea become the greatest idea. But that, and people don't realize that, that will make them not own the idea. Because now they're listening to the leader or to the CEO. It's not their idea. And if you want a leadership style where everyone owns the strategy, the mission, the vision, and everything, they need to be part of the creation. And I come after two days, and then all of a sudden, because after they put all these papers on the wall, they narrow it down to a new SWOT analysis and to a proper strategy where they fill in all the boxes of the strategy alone without me. And then I come in, and then all of a sudden, I'm the stranger, and they're defending that idea. And they own it more than me, and there is nothing I wanted more than them wanting to prove that that strategy, right, is their strategy and is going to be the right strategy. How do I make sure it's the right strategy? Because their SWOT analysis is coming and living, for, and it's coming from the culture they lived in with me over the years. So it cannot be far enough. And then I'll have to defend my new ideas to change a little bit and tweak the strategy. But what I'm sure about, I might maybe lose a point or two with them. And to see, oh, that's very difficult. I wanted to put in this. No, it's bigger if you lose their buy-in. It's much bigger than you if you lost their buy-in. None of the, what you really put out there will actually be executed properly. Or if they don't own it, they'll never represent you properly. You know, and we hear a lot uh, these days about purpose and how people, not exclusively, but certainly many of our younger generations are looking for purpose in their work. To not only connect with their work on a deeper level, but in many ways to find meaning themselves. Uh, and, and, you know, and so talk a little bit about how, how, how this is kind of manifested, how this has shown its place in Paramount, not just through your leadership, but in everyday frontline heroes and how they might, how they might act. Well, I think, uh, let's talk a little bit about the grit. And the idea of the millennial has no grit or has less grit and all this idea, I think it's wrong. We have a problem of language translation. Uh, what, what, the, what the millennial are attracted to is to be part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And when your company become a movement, when your company hits the right buttons into everyone's life and see the impact immediate right in front of them, Right. This is where people will actually start working harder because they want that something that's bigger than all of us, which is community 90% of the time and purpose to succeed. They know that working hard is automatically attached to being successful at helping the community, serving the community and serving that purpose and making it come true. And a lot of people. I'm going to give you a, an example. We had an executive just joining us uh, three, four months ago. And there was the World Hunger Day. And that was the first time we celebrated in Canada in partnership with one of the chefs that's very well known for it. So we did an event at Paramount and we donated to the World, World Hunger Day. I had a speech at the event. And this executive showed up with her two daughters. 
And they saw us, what we were doing. And I was talking about the story about the World Hunger Day and how many kids are hungry around the world. Three days after this executive showed up uh, to the office and she said, you know what my daughter Alex did at school? I said, no. She said she uh, did a let's clean up the park around the school, all of us. And she did the lemonade stand after and kids brought money and she wants to donate it to the World Hunger Day money. And you can see that executive getting emotional talking about it. And you can see that she took Paramount home with her. And you can see that Paramount, the movement now, is in the head of her daughter, Alex. And that gets her not to work at Paramount, to own Paramount, to love Paramount, to love the movement and what Paramount stands for, and not look for a job anymore. Because she wasn't, she's not at a job anymore. Now Paramount is part of her family. And if she was to make a decision against Paramount or to move out of Paramount, she does not need only to make a financial decision. She used to explain to her daughter, Alex, why is she coming out of the World Hunger Day company that celebrated it and meant a lot to Alex and to her school. And so you become part of their family. You become part of, and that's how that leadership will affect their action towards the company. People need a bigger reason to get a, to work for, in a company. Anybody making above $75,000 money is not the only reason why they will move. And younger people today are our biggest and best asset. People in general, as you know, even in my speech, and I'm, I'm very thankful for you and your team and your organization for, for, for giving me that beautiful award. It was an amazing night, right? And... Uh, I said it. I said it. A lot of people come to me and want to talk to me and want to give me suggestions, even when I was building my company, and talk to me even without me knowing them. And they'll say, customers comes first, Mohammed. Customer always, always comes first, Mohammed. And that was part of my speech. And I always looked at them and I always said to myself, no, I, as a CEO, my people come first. And then for them, Customers come first. They'll look after the customer, but I need to look after my people. I need to look after my team. And giving your team another reason than just the salary and having that relation only based on money, that will not make you keep talent. The only reason why talents will stay today is to have a reason bigger than just the money and being part of something bigger than ourselves. You're absolutely right. And yet... The, the transition that organizations are making, as well-intended as they are, if it's not genuine, it, it, can, be, you know, it can be seen through. And I, I know even in our own, uh, going through this transition ourselves, and I'm so proud of what our team has been able to do, uh, but it's, it's um, uh, you can't do enough that's real. That's genuine. And, uh, and I think what you've done is put your team, maybe people number one, and allow them to focus on the customer, allow them to set the strategy, allow them to deliver on the purpose. But let's talk a little bit about an example maybe where the complete organization stepped up uh, in the case of taking over a restaurant uh, based on a, on a human rights issue. For those who don't know the story, tell us about that. And not only the decision that was made, but how that kind of 
played out right through to that restaurant kind of operating. Well, obviously not today, but hopefully again soon. So, well, <laughs> I saw in the media that the Sufi restaurant is receiving a threat and is closing down due to threat because he's worried about his uh, family. And then I saw an article at night by New York Times that it says businesses in Canada are shutting down due to fear and discrimination. Like, have you heard of Tyson say, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face? I got punched in the face that time. I'm like, if if the Americans are going to say that Canadian businesses are shutting down due to discrimination and fear, there is something wrong about all of us sitting at home and thinking it's okay to let that happen. So I asked one of my team members to tweet on her personal account and say, does anyone know the owner of Sufi? And then no one answered. The second morning, I tweeted on my account and said, does anyone know the owner of Sufis? So someone called me and said, I'm actually beside them, Mohammed. And he's someone that we worked with in couple charity, helping refugees before. And I said, that's great. Where are you guys? They said, we're in the back of Sufis, but we're shut down. I said, I'm coming. He said, no, no, don't come. They're leaving. I said, they're not going anywhere. I'm coming. So I took my car, drove there. And one of my team members, that's what she does always. So she was looking at the background and she said, Mohammed, you need to need to know more about this. Their older son has done a mistake with an old elderly lady in a protest. I said, I don't need to know that. Their elderly son is one thing. And the death threat is something else. And a third part is businesses at no excuse should shut down in this city due to fear. That's why there is courts. If there is someone has a right from someone else and they can't resolve it alone, that's why they get the courts involved. Right? Otherwise, we'll turn to a zoo here. And that's not Canada. Right? right? That's not Canada. Canada is the country that gave me that biggest opportunity of my life and made me who I am from someone who lived in a basement. And that's all of you Canadians that gave me that opportunity. And I'm forever appreciative to that. Right? So I drove, I got there, and the guy was saying, no, no, what you're talking about? We're not reopening. Look at the video. They have sent him a video that they're going to kill him, kill his wife, burn her, his wife alive kill his daughter, like they've done it all, basically. I said, okay, well, are you done? He said, yes, I'm done. I said, okay, I'll buy it from you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I'll buy the restaurant and I'll open it tomorrow. But all what I want, I need to borrow the name. You cannot let us look like this week as Canadians. Canadians do not support what happened to you. And you cannot be the first because it's going to be the second, the third, the fourth. They can't win. Hate cannot win in this country. Because that will make it difficult for all of us to stop hate. And he said, I can't open. I don't have the team. I told them they're gone. I said, of course you have. The whole thousand Paramount employees are your team from today. We will reopen it for you. You will take the money. I'll pay for the labor. Oh, I can't. I can't stand on my feet. My knees are shaking. My knees are weak. I said, no, no, no. You don't. You go for vacation. I'll stand here. I'll stand in the restaurant for you. Until that moment, Marty, there is nothing. The, new, the staff doesn't know anything about it. My executive didn't know where the heck I am. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they got a message saying, tomorrow we're opening a restaurant that we don't know the menu. We don't know the recipe. We know nothing about it, But we're standing and we're opening that door. 
in three minutes, I had people that they had the day off saying, we'll do it. I had a franchisee texting and say, we're going to come help. We had 19 employees ready to work the second morning. We had a regional manager that was on vacation, right? Taking some time off doing a renovation at his house. Texted and said, I'm coming. I'll lead this, right? And all of us together only helped Canadian to do what Canadian do. We had a lineup. That's what the Canadian did. On the weekend, we had people coming from Niagara and from Hamilton and from Pickering to support this, right? And we all sent a message again that hate will never win in Canada. And staff executives on the weekend brought their family, their moms, and their children and their mother-in-laws and father-in-laws to support the restaurant and to show, look, these people that works with me. So it was a pride not only for Canadian. Yes, it was a pride for all Canada, but it was as well an internal pride within the company. And everyone bought into it and high-fired, right? I had two young ladies that canceled the trip because of support of Sufis, but they were so happy to cancel it. Right? We definitely had to help them to cancel it with whatever fees they had to pay penalty to cancel it. But everyone was so happy to do it. And I was, sub I was subject to an attack of hate right in the front of the door that day. But it was okay. Because let me tell you something about running a company with purpose. It has to hurt a little bit. There is part of it pain. Right? But anything, when you make a change, it has to hurt a little bit. And when you make bigger a change, the pain a little bit more. But it's worth it because it's only one time pain to make those bigger steps to move. And yes, you're right. A lot of people don't believe in it 100%. And like you were saying before, a lot of people don't 100% believe in it. But we're much better than 10 years ago. Like at the time of my dad is money, 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 profit, profit, profit. Right? And then he'll do charity. But he, think, he actually believes 100%. These are two separate things. But they're not. They're actually not separate. You can't be two people. You can't be two people. You're the same person that giving a charity and running a business. And so why don't you show the people that running and holding the flag of your company that they can do it with you instead of you giving charity separately? You are, you are the you know, ultimate example or paramount is of social enterprise. I truly believe you are. You. And so how is that... How, how, are, how are you dealing with that? How is that, um, how, how do you see that during these challenging times? And what is arguably one of the most, we're both in one of the most challenged business as, as so many others are, for sure. But how do you see it every day living with your existing team members, your franchisees? Uh, give us some kind of, give us a story or two about that. Well, I mean, usually CEOs are not vulnerable. They don't like to be vulnerable, but I will be with you. Sure. Uh, because people need to know. Again, going back to the fact that CEOs are not robots. Uh, CEOs are humans, and some of them are more sensitive than anybody can expect. And I'm one of those. So I, uh, between the idea of the first month, we decided to pay everybody fully, even if they didn't work. So they worked. everybody worked around a week and 13 days, 12, sorry, around nine days. So we said until end of March, it doesn't matter, we're going to pay them all as if they work, including the hourly people. And anyone is ill or looking after an ill person, it'll be paid as if the hours were there. 
the time between March 26 and March 30, listen to this, Marty, was the most difficult minutes of my entire life. My entire life. I've had a gun put to my head one time in the street of Beirut of defending an old woman that they were making fun of her, the militia, and I wanted to defend her because she was the age of my mother. Those three, four days were more difficult than that. Because I come up from a mentality, and I'm sure a lot of us do, that when your day will come, will come. So a gun to your head, when that day will come for you to leave this world, you will. But between March 26, I was afraid that everything I promoted in my life was dying, wasn't me. And that worse. Who cares if you are here physically? Who cares if your body is here? When everything inside, everything you believed in, you truly believed in, you lived for, is dying. I thought we were going to have to just think of the company to stay. For the company to be able to rehire people and to lay off 90% of our team. So we created this new idea of lay them off and top them up. So we went to get a permit to top up. But every minute, every minute, I felt in every bone in my body, in every single little sentiment I had, I was scared. I was worried. I thought I'm letting myself down. I thought I'm letting my principles down. I thought I'm letting everything down until everyone, including my team, said, what are you doing? You're going to go down you, the company, us, all of us, if you don't come back on your feet. And I said, it's you that I'm worried about. It's not me. I have never had to think. Let me tell you, I'm the worst guy to fire somebody. Because I'll fire somebody with a smile. Because I think this is the best thing for them. I, do, I truly believe it. People don't react well in your job, not because they're bad people, not because they're not smart. They just didn't buy in. It's not what they want to do. And the best thing you can do for them is letting them go in a comfortable way financially that you don't actually hurt them. But letting them go to push them to get something that they love better and they buy in better. But for you to let go good people, people that bought into your mentality, culture, not only bought in, actually, they created it with you based on the way I do my strategy. That was very, very hard for me. And then it came the subsidy idea and then I start feeling better. Like I got to the point where on March 31st, I called my friend and I said, I'm back. Like, as if I went in a trip within, within. In yourself. Absolutely. That's how hard this was. Yeah. That's how hard this was. Like, I literally cried. I cried because I couldn't think I'm going to sign those papers. I couldn't think everything I promoted, everything I even 
like I could have been that harsh CEO, would have been much richer CEO if I really didn't care about those principles and values. And all of a sudden, I'm faced with a decision that I couldn't actually fight. I couldn't stand and face, right? It, it reminded me when my best friend's mom died. I stood in front of the bed and I said, God, how, 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 how can I not do anything about this? She's amazing. She's fed me like her son. She's really, honestly, it did remind me. I said, God, how can I not do anything about this? Right? So this is how vulnerable I'm being to show you that that's how much people had been touched with what's happening. Financially, Paramount went from $4.5 million sales in Ontario monthly to $300,000 sales monthly. Because 80%, 90% of our location has shut down due to malls, uh, we're in airports, we're in hospitals, we're, and all this is shut down. But I'm still smiling. You know, when we say diversity is our strength, part of our diversity's strength and being here is that resilient, resiliency. And having people like me who went through war and to tell everybody else, we're going to be okay and the light will come. Again, I'll never forget my dad used to build houses and he'll have one of the houses hit by, a, by bullets or something. And they'll do a ceasefire and he'll go to fix it. And I say, dad, it's only a ceasefire. He said, what about if a customer came between ceasefire and ceasefire? Let's make sure the house is perfect and ready. You know, that's the mentality and the resilience we need now. Yeah. Right? 100%. And, you know, your vulnerability matters. I can tell you, we, you know, we, we train leaders on building high-performance teams and cultures. And the number one thing that we spend time on is on creating an environment of psychological safety, as you know. And, you know, that, that means an environment of trust, that you can share things, be vulnerable, not be afraid of judgment, uh, or that it's a bad idea. And in order to create trust, like in our relationships, it takes shared experiences and, and time. Shared experiences times time equals trust. But we don't always have that kind of time and all, the ability to, be, to, be, to, to build, develop that trust. And so by being vulnerable as leaders today, that is the single greatest way to develop a connection and develop trust because, um, and, and, and in a very genuine way, in a very genuine way, there is no greater, greater uh, event than this, I think, to show our vulnerability. And I can tell you, uh, I, I'm having a lot of discussions with executives, with CEOs. We're all scared. We're all concerned. We're yeah. having to make tough decisions that break our hearts. And yet, um, in virtually all of those discussions, I come away, and this is just such a privilege to be where I'm at and so all of our people are at, I come out with something that makes me feel better and more connected. And, 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 like, and, and, and sometimes that's just what I needed in that day. To, to say, you know what, my responsibility here isn't to be a hero. My responsibility here is to be real, sincere, and to, to, to remind myself above all and everyone else that we will get through this. And we're going to get through it together, whether uh, in one way or another. And I think um, there's no greater purpose than, uh, than helping another 
And there is no greater purpose than feeling it on a, you know, feeling the meaning that what you're doing or, or what you're learning, that you're progressing towards something every day. And I, I'm not sure every day I wake up and say this to myself, but most day I, I say right now, we're one step closer. We're one day closer. We're one hour closer. Yeah, and, and there was this difficult day where my team said, you know, you're dragging and this is not you, but we need to make some decisions about the staff. And I said, no, you're not. And they said, yes, and we'll do it. Like my VPs. And I said, no, no, no. If it came to the point where you're going to address the staff, I'm addressing the staff. I'm never going to put you facing the people that you hired and the people that served with you in your department. I need to do it so you don't. I'll get the sleepless night, not you. That's not fair. And I actually addressed my team. I addressed my team on WebEx, every department by department. Those conversations were the hardest conversation I've ever had. Just a couple of final questions, uh, Mohammed. You know, what, um, what do you see now that we, we are going through, obviously, a massive uh, pause driven by a crisis? And, and, but, you know, out of times of great reflection come great innovation and change. And what, what do you see as, uh, you know, in the future as going to be critical for in your organization and in what you do uh, from a cultural perspective? How will things change and how will your purpose-driven, centered organizational culture change or how will business evolve in your, with your culture to, to move you forward? So what will change? I think Paramount has followed the rules of banking for disaster. And that's why I'm smiling. Like the, the rule of banking for disaster is banking for you personally for two years to pay your bills, even if you don't have a penny coming in. Oh, yeah. And I think the companies after this pandemic, I think this pandemic is going to create the playbook for what's going to happen after with all the global warming and what we could be base, uh, faced with. I think companies should actually bank for disaster for three years moving forward. So I will be banking for disaster for three years moving forward. So yes, I will stop. I will maybe expand two locations less a year and I'll bank for disaster for three years, two years for Paramount and one year to help the community. That's the amount of money. Uh, because the last thing, the biggest thing you could lose is when you lose yourself. I'm ready to lose all my money today. I'm not ready to lose myself. I'll be lost. I won't be able to rebuild again. Right? And you need to bank for disaster, including not losing yourself. And not losing yourself for payment is not being able to do something for the community and think in a selfish way. That's an and incredible, incredible strategy to think that two years would be for yourself and one for your community. That's, that's the first I've ever heard of that. No, it should be that way. Yeah. Because if we do all of us that, 
we'll probably have 10 years worth of money worth for the community. And when everyone is okay, it will, it's contagious. You'll feel like you're okay. Incredible. Uh, my last question is, if there's one piece of advice that you're going to give to a young executive, a future leader, as we call them at Waterstone, in terms of um, as they enter on their entrepreneurial or business journey of how they can build a high-performance culture, how they can be a high-performance leader, what would you impart on them? Know what you don't know. You need to know what you don't know. The biggest and the most dangerous is when you don't know what you don't know. Right? When you don't know what you don't know, you think you know it all. <laughs> you need to know what you don't know. And that's when you surround yourself with a great team. That's why you're always happy to listen. Not hear, listen. Proper listening. And that's and another thing, I have a list in my pocket. I always write things that I thought it, I did, I've done wrong. Or out of what I call the Paramount Movement personality. And I go and I apologize to people and I correct them. Write down things. Write down important things. Don't write down things that gets your head bigger. Ego. Ego is your biggest enemy. Ego. Ask yourself, are you still doing it for the right reason why you start doing it at the same time? Your noble mission. Be careful you protect your noble mission. You lose yourself when you lose your noble mission. Because a lot of people follow you because of your noble mission, not because of you. And protect that noble mission. So know what you don't know. Make sure your ego doesn't take over. And protect your noble mission. It's very important. And remember, your people are your biggest asset. Looking after your people. Having a purpose for your people brings your profit. The opposite doesn't work. Your profit doesn't bring people, doesn't bring loyalty to your people. I've seen a lot of people that came in with a lot of money to Canada. They came with the mentality of profit first. And their people never thought to save them one dollar or one penny because they didn't think there was that connection to the business. It was a materialistic relationship. So I, I would say know what you don't know has been my motto in life. Right? And people, people first. And when you know what you don't know, you don't call your idea a great idea. Please don't do that. Surround yourself with great mentors. It's very important. I have a great mentors in my life. I've always did. And you saw Hazel McCallion has been my mentor for very long years. And she presented me to the award. She actually introduced me to the speech and to the award in the, the beautiful event that you guys did. And thank you again. But those are the suggestions. Okay? Find a mentor. Know what you don't know in life. Your people are your biggest asset. If you don't look after them, someone else will. So well said. And this Paramount movement is a movement that's going to continue and get stronger. Um, not just because of the things we've learned in terms of your own grit, <clears throat> your own purpose and social enterprise and noble mission. Uh, when I say your own, I mean both you, Mohammed, and this incredible organization that you're continuing uh, to move. Uh, a movement never stops, right? It might, it might take pause and think, but it, it still evolves. And, and that's something that we know uh, we'll continue to see. But we've also learned about, you know, whole banking for disaster and your insights on having mentors, having uh, a real uh, key sense of knowing what you don't know. Uh, and keeping your ego in check. These are great lessons for all of us. I think I want to take 
the opportunity to thank all the frontline heroes from the hospitality, definitely all of the other ones, but from the hospitality industry, but nobody, because no one actually mentioned them. They get to grocery and they stop. So please continue and say even the restaurant worker, because a grocer do make a profit like a restaurant do, but restaurants do take a pressure off the grocery store by being open. Otherwise, we might hit a run at the grocery store and the lineup will grow bigger. So I hope everyone will actually start including them. I know Paramount has some pantry operations open as well because I've used them and they're fantastic. Thank you. And for those of you who have not been to a Paramount Fine Foods, you absolutely need to try it, not only now during takeout to support these, uh, these frontline workers and to nourish your families, but to enjoy the experience when we all get back to, to, uh, to being together. They're a great experience. The food is incredible and the environment is, is as good as the food. So on that note, I want to thank sincerely from the bottom of our hearts, uh, Mohammed Fakid of Paramount Fine Foods. You're not only a most admired CEO, uh, Mohammed, you're a most admired human being. Well, thank you. And, uh, I, I heard this the other day from a wonderful economist who I would call a friend in Atlanta named John Hope Bryant. And John uh, teaches people uh, who are underprivileged how to uh, arise from, from poverty through his operation, Operation Hope. And he said, you know, that we're not just possibly uh, human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Absolutely. And I don't think there's anyone that uh, represents that greater than you. So on behalf thank of you. everyone, you're a most admired person. And uh, I want to thank you sincerely. And thank you so on that note, to ask you to join us next week for our next episode of Building High Performance Cultures. And in the meantime, if you want to learn more about this topic, uh, visit waterstonehc.com. Thank you. Mm -hmm.